Hi folks, a shout out this week to Sharon Pask, who did a review of the Take On Board podcast. Thanks, Sharon. She says, gender pay gap episode, very informative session with Emma Ray. Thank you. Well, thank you, Sharon, for taking the time to do a review. We love to get reviews here. And thanks to Emma for doing that episode. Second announcement for this week. This week we're hearing from Kari Hatch. And listen right through to the end of the episode where she shares resources because not only does she share some resources in the episode itself, but sent me a voice memo afterwards with some additional ones. So there's some gold in there. Radio on with the show. Hello, people. Before we start the show this week, just a couple of very quick announcements. First and foremost, thank you, everyone, for all the wonderful happy birthday wishes last week and for sharing the podcast far and wide. It was fabulous to see. So I appreciate it. Thank you. Secondly, if you're in Adelaide, then we're having a take on board meetup Monday, the 25th of January. So if you would love to come along and meet some of the take on board community from Adelaide, I would love you to be there. Check either LinkedIn or the Take On Board Facebook or just email me. My email's in the show notes for all the details. Thirdly, Board Accelerator. That's my monthly group program for women board directors. Early Bird ends on the 28th of January. So that's just a week and a bit away. More importantly, there's only 10 spots left. The morning group is already full. There's only two spots left in the afternoon group and four spots left in both the midday and the evening group. But of course, by the time you hear this, that might not be the case. In short, there's not many spots left and I would love you to join us. So again, there's a link in the show notes to the booking details or just send me an email and uh, I can tell you more. Last but not least, uh, last week we had Carol Sanford on the podcast and as I mentioned there, five lucky people get a copy of her book from me and we get to join her at her workshop, which is also coming up next week. So congratulations to Anita Dahlenberg, Nicola Rodas, Lauren King, Dominique Hess and Hannah Brown, all who won those books and will be joining me at the workshop. Right, that's enough for the intro, isn't it? Now, on with the show. Hello and welcome to the Take On Board podcast, where we talk all things boards and governance. I'm your host, Halia Svensson. Being on a board can be interesting, valuable and exciting, yet it can also be really lonely, challenging and hard. So here at Take On Board, we'll bring you weekly tips, tricks and advice to help you build your governance wisdom. We'll shine a light on how to navigate your way onto your first board or to build your board portfolio. We'll also help you to work through those challenges that keep you awake at night. Each week, I'll talk to women who have been there, done that, and together we'll discover what we need to take on board to be your best in the boardroom. Today on the Take On Board podcast, I'm speaking to Leah Messa about why soft skills are the new hard. First, let me tell you about Leah. Leah is on the board of Fertility Matters and has previously been on the boards of Hill End Football and Netball Club and, as she says, on lots of committees. School council, kinder president, playgroup president, women in Gippsland, Auskick. So she's got a bit of experience in this area. Leah is a communication and soft skills specialist, obsessed with making the people part of leadership and work life easier. 
She's a speaker, trainer, facilitator, mentor, and author of the book, Soft is the New Hard, How to Communicate Effectively Under Pressure. I should also say that this conversation has come about through an introduction by Corinne Armour, who you've already heard on the podcast, where we both happened to call Corinne at the same time about the same thing, so Corinne just connected us on the same call. As someone who loves to connect people, I love how that happened and how it brings us to this conversation today. So welcome to the Take On Board podcast, Leah. Thank you so much, Helia. So Leah, before we dive into the conversation today about soft skills being the new hard, let's dig a little bit deeper about you. Tell me, what was young Leah like? And when did you get your first inkling that you'd end up doing what you're doing today? Oh, look, young Leah was a very, very driven young girl, the eldest of four daughters, the typical type A personality, bit of a perfectionist. I now call myself a recovering perfectionist. It's something I've worked very hard to overcome over the years. So I was a great student, played sport, very driven and very community minded. I live in a gorgeous uh, little town in regional Victoria called Willow Grove beside a lake with the mountains coming out behind it. Only about 350 people in the town that I live in. And uh, there were three generations of my family living in the town for a long time, actually four at one point. And uh, my grandparents, my grandpa in particular, was heavily involved in the local community on lots of committees. My dad, the same as well as my mum. And so it was a natural progression for me uh, at a young age, was involved in lots of those community groups through my parents. And then in my early 20s, started getting involved myself. Wow. So it It is something we often hear from people that their involvement comes from that family involvement around community. You say in your 20s, that was where you first got involved. What was that? Yeah, it was with the Hillen Football Netball Club, yeah. uh, which back then was separate. It was a football club and a netball club. And yeah, I, I played there and got involved uh, on the netball committee and was then on the board of the combined club and actually part of leading the amalgamation of the club. And that was sort of in my uh, early to mid 20s. So, you know, there were lots of uh, learnings really early on about, you know, having difficult conversations, bringing people on board, because there was some of the older guys in the football club that were quite resistant to combining the two and here I was uh, trying to show them that this was actually a really beneficial thing for the entire community and club so I think that foundation early on was it was great experience for what I went on to do. Well, what a beautiful segue to our conversation about communication skills and why they are absolutely key in the boardroom. Now, you've literally written the book about this. So soft skills are the new hard. What are soft skills and why are they important for the boardroom? Yeah, such a great question. And look, as I say in the book, 
soft skills don't confuse them with easy and the reason it's called soft is the new hard is because soft skills are not soft at all they are the hardest part the hardest bit of our work life whether it's on a board or our personal relations relationships it's the people bit that's the hard bit and when I say soft skills essentially what they are is the non-job specific interpersonal skills that are absolutely crucial to our success, no matter what we do, if it's a job or role that involves working with other people, they're transferable skills and they absolutely play that major role in our success. They're not the hard skills traditionally are those technical skills, like you might study to be a lawyer or an accountant and you need to learn those job-specific skills. Soft skills are things like communication, leadership, self-management, emotional intelligence, adaptability, that whole swag of really key skills. And for a long time, though, they've been pushed to the side and seen as second rate. And, you know, we've all been told, even there's a bit of it still now in schools where you're told the STEM subjects, the science, technology, engineering and maths, that's the most important stuff. And for a lot of uh, people at different ages from school age right through, I, you know, work with people right into their 70s and on boards and, and in organisations. And oftentimes the soft skills, have we've never been taught them And we haven't been taught them for two main reasons. The first one is because for a really long time, these skills were considered innate. You're either born a good communicator or you're not. It's your personality. It is what it is. It's fixed. You can't do anything about it. This is just who I am. And that's just rubbish. Yes, of course, we're born with different personalities and different strengths, of course. However, like any skills, Soft skills can be learned and developed. I always give two caveats to that, though, if you're willing to learn and if you're willing to do the work. You can't improve these skills if you sit there going, bet you can't teach me. But the second reason that we haven't, uh, a lot of us, learnt these skills is because traditionally soft skills were dismissed as the fluffy extra. Nice to have, but certainly not as important as my hard technical skills. And boy, oh boy, is the world waking up to that. There's a lot of studies coming out at the moment uh, from the likes of Deloitte, Access Economics, ComBank, saying that we've dropped the ball on these soft skills. And in fact, soft skills are the skills of the future because they're hard to outsource and they're hard to automate. So as technology and robots and things comes in and takes over a lot of jobs, it's our ability to connect as humans that is our superpower literally as humans. So, you know, I think a lot of organisations are now realising that these are the skills we need. A lot of technical skills can be taught easier than soft skills so we want to hire or appoint people to boards who can have difficult conversations who can discuss robust ideas in a respectful way yes you've got to have your experience in whatever back you know whether it's governance or finance but I think we're realizing how crucial these skills are so, look, I'm, I'm thinking back to the Football Netball Club because you'd mer- mentioned around the merger there. And, you know, as you say, there are some technical skills that are required there. You would have needed to know about the legal requirements to merge and bringing the finances together and all of those technical skills. Yet, again, as you'd mentioned, 
I'm pretty sure the success or otherwise of that merger would be down to bringing the people with you. So can you tell us a bit more about that and what your role is, was, you know, your experience in that and how that showcased the soft skills, inverted commas, and and how that brought about the, I'm assuming, success of that merger? Yeah, it was successful and it did take a bit of time. And, Mm. you know, for a very headstrong young woman in her early 20s who considers herself a feminist, what I had to be really conscious of is not being a bulldozer and not just standing on my high horse and going, but this is the right thing to do. We've got just as equal voice as the men do here. The reason that that wasn't the best approach is because exactly as you said, I needed to bring people along with me. And just going like a bull at a gate, which I can absolutely be guilty of sometimes, was not going to be the right approach in that situation. So I had to step back and I had to say, well, what are the key messages here? What outcome do I want? And how do I tailor my communication to give myself the best chance of achieving that outcome? And interestingly, that's one of the key points that I then wrote about 15, almost 15 years on when I wrote the book, uh, because I had to say, what's in it for them? How can I show them that this actually is beneficial for them as well? It's not just netball wanting to come in and and take the football's money or anything like that. It's actually, hey, we've got this, you know, as I said, it's a small town. Volunteers are hard to come by. We've got this pool of volunteers that are willing to get in and have a crack at netball who can be helping you out to bring in more money. This is actually a huge benefit to football and netball. We were already operating. We were in the same competition. You know, we're playing together every week. We travel together. We are essentially one club, but we were just separated. So Mm. it made sense. But I had to make sure that particularly when I sat down and had some of those conversations with some people who had genuine concerns, that I listened to those concerns. And, you know, I heard what they were saying so that then I could adapt my messaging to counter those objections. So, you know, sometimes it was a matter of putting that in before they even had to ask the question that I could Mm -hmm. say, now I know one of the concerns might be this, which is why we're going to do this other thing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that being smart about it and stepping back and considering my approach first was really important. So how do you remind yourself of that? Because, you know, as you say, we're often, you know, let's get things done, let's just get on with it, let's just move on through. And I'm imagining, well, I know because it's in my me as well often it's like oh I just want to tick this off I just want to get it done and you really have to consciously slow yourself down so that you can listen and do those things how do you consciously slow yourself down so that you don't end up smashing through the gate yeah it's such a great question and it it is one I've really had to work on and you know we might get into it a bit later but I the whole model on which the book is framed on the five c's of effective communication is based around this idea and the reason I developed it was because I think the main reason a lot of people muck up their communication is because they have an idea of what they want to say and then they just open their mouth and start saying it Mm. and we usually get halfway through and then in our head we're saying 
oh my goodness, this isn't even what I wanted to say or how I want to, and I can see their face and this isn't going well. And then we walk away going, oh crap, that was a bit of a train wreck. Mm-hmm. So I developed this whole model um, to help with this slowing down. And, you know, really quickly, the first C is choice. That's mm-hmm. about taking personal responsibility for how we communicate and behave with no room for yeah, but. We mm-hmm. like to yeah, but. Yeah, but. They spoke to me like that. Yeah, but this is the situation. And, you know, at its absolute foundation, communication starts with us and taking that personal responsibility. The next step is control. And I'll come back to that in a sec because that is where the tips uh, sit around how do we manage our emotions, regulate ourselves in the moment. Third C is consideration. So this is where we do start saying, you know, those two questions I gave you before around what outcome do I want and how do I tailor my communication to give me the best chance of achieving that outcome? Because it's not a one-size-fits-all approach. You know, you might have someone on your board who is a bit of an aggressive communicator. They're quite abrupt, a bit blunt you know if you talk around in circles to someone like that that is like a red rag to a bull they want short sharp messages so consideration is where you think what do I want to get across here and who am I dealing with same token if you've got someone on the board who is a processor who likes to stop and think and you just fire bullets at them with short sharp messages they're not going to give you an answer there they're going to probably dig their heels in because they want more processing time. So considerations where we think about that approach. Fourth C is courage. I love talking about that one because I have a lot of people say to me when I'm talking communication, this is great, Leah, but I don't have the confidence to have these difficult conversations. And I always reply by saying that's okay because it's not about confidence. It's about courage. I actually think we're sold a bit of a bum deal when uh, with the focus on confidence and a lot of people think oh but I don't have the confidence to have the conversation so I won't have it and actually it's about being brave and vulnerable and all of those sort of things owning our mistakes and then the last C is communication this is where the tips and tricks come in and if you do the first four it's a sequential model that last bit the communication takes care of itself but I think, you know, we're so quick to just want to go, what's the tip and trick to help me have this conversation? But there's all this pre-work that we need to do first. In terms of how I slow myself down and manage myself, there's a couple of key things I like to do. The first one is put a pause between my reaction and my response. And that's easier said than done. So there's a couple of ways I do that. I like to try to remind myself to take a big, deep breath. And some people think, oh, breathing, it's so simplistic. Gosh, it's powerful. It really is. And to remind myself to take a deep breath, I actually, and I know this is a visual uh, audio means, so people can't see me right now. But if you look at your hand in between your thumb and your forefinger, if you grab that webbing in there, there's actually a pressure point in there. And it's a great little way to physically ground yourself in the moment. So what I like to do is if I can feel myself getting a bit worked up in a conversation, I will grab that pressure point and it's just that reminder, take a deep breath, Leah. And the reason I do that is because we can say, oh, yeah, I've got to remember to breathe. And you won't remember that in the moment. So having that physical trigger can be useful. 
And what I'll sometimes do is then put a pause in by physically saying something. I might say, you know what, you've caught me a bit off guard and I really want to give that some consideration and thought. Can you leave that with me for half an hour, 10 minutes, uh, and I'll come back to you. Now, if you say that, you've got to do it. (laughs) You can't just avoid it. And if you're in a board meeting, maybe you can't leave and take time, but you can still say, great question. Let me think about that for a sec because I want to give you a considered response and then pause, Mm -hmm. take the breath. And probably the third tip that I really, really use a lot, and that's the uh, curious mindset. Yeah. The benefit of curiosity where instead of me jumping straight in with, no, that's a stupid idea, why would you suggest that? I ask a question and I Mm. might say, hell, yeah, that's really different to how I see things can you help me understand where you're coming from there can you tell me more about that and that does two things one it allows me to get more information from you so then I get the full picture but two while you're explaining that I can take that moment to take some deep breaths and calm myself down Oh, oh gosh, see again, so much, so much in there. And it was interesting when you were talking about that physical one, you probably saw me, but again, it's an audio thing. I did exactly that. And it's easily done when you're in the boardroom, actually, to take that moment. It's very easy to do that. Nobody would necessarily notice. Or if they did, that might not be a bad thing either. It's like, oh, Helia's just taking a moment to think gee, you know, if people notice that I'm taking time to reflect, that's a good thing because it is a key thing for board members to do. Yeah, it's a, it's funny. I often have people uh, respond to me when I say take a breath and they'll go, but I'll look like an idiot. If I stop and say give me a moment or take a breath, they're going to think, oh, you're such an idiot. And I always reply and say you're going to look like far less of an idiot than if you respond with that uncensored emotional reaction and you yell at someone or you say something that you regret far better to have a pause and take a breath and I think it's interesting the pause because it often commands respect I think you know if you make a movement or make a noise so that the attention comes to you in the boardroom or wherever it may be and then you pause it often makes people listen even more it shows people that you're gathering your thoughts. I, th- I think it's a real mark of respect, not a mark of frivolousness or frivolity. That's the word, frivolity or otherwise. It's actually taking it seriously and considering. And that is what we need to do in the boardroom. Yeah, we're, you know, we're appointed to a board to make decisions and to think. So we don't have to have the answer right there on the spot. And if you are worried about, you know, the pause and, you know, are people going to think that I'm labouring the point or something, you can put some words around it, like I said. And, you know, you might say, well, look, off the top of my head, my initial reaction is this, but I really want to consider that a bit more or "Mm, great question. Let me think on that for a moment because I want to give you a considered response. And it just, you know, the fact that you're showing that you're actually doing the thinking is really important. Okay. So you were talking about the five C's before, choice, control, consideration, courage and communication, and you said you'd come back to control. 
Oh, yes. So control. That was some of those tips there about how you stay in control because it's not Mm -hmm. about controlling everything. But that second C, control, is really about emotional intelligence. It's are you able to control yourself under pressure? Those first two C's in that model, choice and control, are all about you. They are inward focused. And if you want to improve your communication, it starts with you. And it's funny because sometimes I have senior executives or leaders or or board members come to me and they say, we need you to help us fix these other people. The problems with them. We like, how do we deal with these people? And I'll, I'll always say, yep, I can have a chat to you about that, but let's start with you. And sometimes I have people say, no, no, this isn't about me. This is about, they're the problem. And look, there might be things that they're doing, but you always have to start with you. It's an inside out approach to improve your communication. And the control piece really is about that self-awareness, understanding what you do, particularly under pressure, and then being able to regulate yourself. And it's not about emotion suppression at all, but it is about can I express my emotions in an effective and appropriate way? It's also that control one is also about the importance of controlling our controllables and letting the rest go. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm nodding knowingly, but talk us through that. What does that mean? We waste so much time worrying about things that are totally out of our control. And this is something, you know, in this time of a year of craziness with COVID, Mm. this is a conversation I'm having with lots of organisations at the moment, not only in regard to communication and leadership, also in relation to self-management and stress management Mm. and resilience at this time. And a lot of your listeners, I have no doubt, will be familiar with Stephen Covey's Circles of Influence model where, you know, it looks a bit like a bullseye and in the innermost circle you've got control, then you've got the circle of influence, then you've got the circle of concern. And and that's really what I use as well in this model because it's bringing people back to say, well, what can you control here? And the answer to that is ourselves. The only thing we can control are the things related to us, whether it's managing our emotions, our attitude, our mindset, how we show up, how we communicate. We can control that. We can influence other people through the relationships we have and the way we communicate. We can't control them. And then that outer circle, that circle of concern, that's where we have to let things go because we can't control them, we can't influence them, and worrying about them doesn't change the situation at all, just makes us feel like rubbish. So, you know, that's a really, it's a simple model, but that's one that I use every day. Whatever challenge life throws at me I'll go where does it fit here what can I control what can I influence and what is now out there so as a board it might be that uh, perhaps the government's bringing in some new regulation and you're a bit stressed about it and up in arms what's this going to mean what can we control we can control our response so we can take that big deep breath not have the big rant and rave, perhaps not shoot out that angry email that we haven't thought about beforehand. In terms of influence, you might have some influence. You might, as a board, be able to say, well, these are our concerns with this new regulation Mm -hmm. and we're going to make a submission to government about what our concerns are. 
But then you understand that once you've done that, once you've done all the influence you can, it's out of your hands now and government can make whatever decision they want. Yes. And whether you worry about it or not won't change the decision. So it doesn't mean you don't care about it or it doesn't impact you, but it's about, you know, I see this in teams all the time as well where they hold on to things Mm. and they'll they'll bitch and whinge about those same things and go round and round in circles and get down into that real toxic mindset. And then when you talk to them about it, you realise they can't control it, they can't influence it. So that we've just got to let it go. Let it go, let it go. Absolutely. And indeed, you know, and I'm sure you've found this as well, those that have a better, have a strong understanding of what you can control versus what you can influence versus what you let go actually often have more influence. Oh, absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. Because they're focused on where they can have an impact. Mm. So the effort they put in pays off rather than wasting that time getting bogged down in areas that you can't control or influence. Oh, Leah, I knew the time would go too quickly. We have covered an enormous amount and there's so many fabulous tips in there for people. What are the key points you want people to take away from the conversation that we've had today? Oh, look, I think... For me, it would be the start with you, okay? It has to be, I can share a whole heap of tips and tricks, uh, but you won't be able to put any of them into practice unless you start with you because you will know how to communicate theoretically. You'll, you know, I'm sure people who listen to this podcast, they're, you know, they're on boards, they're in exec positions. You know how to communicate doesn't mean you're doing it. Knowing Mm. and doing are two very different things. And I put my hand up for that too. I get it wrong all the time too, because I'm human. Mm. Written Mm. a book on it. I stuff it up all the time. (laughs) But we have to be able to start with us and say, you know what, do I take personal responsibility for how I communicate and behave? Do I Mm. own my mistakes when I make them and admit that quickly? Mm. Uh, I think though, The key point in terms of when you're in the boardroom is to come with that mindset of curiosity. It's okay that not everyone thinks like you. No one one does think like you. Common sense is not common. So you have an opinion on what's right and so do the other people. Mm. And it doesn't necessarily make either of you right and wrong. It just makes it different. And I think... If we approach with a curious mindset, it allows us to focus on the outcome we want Mm. and on getting it right rather than on being right. And I think as board members, we're there to make the best decisions for whatever organisation we're governing. And I think that we have to keep coming back to that, that this isn't about individuals and personalities And to get the best decisions, we actually have to be able to discuss and debate ideas. And that's a good thing. We need to do it respectfully, but that's a good thing. A board that just smiles and nods and agrees on everything, that's actually not what you want because it's not going to make the best decisions. Is there a resource you would like to share with the Take On Board community? 
Oh, look, there's there's a lot. In terms of what people can find from me, there's certainly the book. I was uh, mm. absolutely thrilled. It was recently a finalist in the Australian Career Book of the Year Awards, which was pretty awesome. Yes. Uh, but there's a whole lot of free resources on my website, uh, which is just leahmetha.com.au. There's, you know, a communication style quiz there, lots of free resources there in terms of resources from other people one that I I just think it's a masterclass in leadership is and I'm sure it's been said before but it is Brene Brown's Dare to Lead I it's just a lot of what I talk about in my book she speaks about too you know the importance of empathy and clarity and that clear Mm. is kind uh, that we don't shy away and that we use our vulnerability and I think you know for anyone out there who's not a big reader you know I know a lot of listeners have probably made their way through most of Netflix uh, this year (laughs) however if you haven't stumbled across it yet under the documentaries on Netflix Brene Brown has a uh, one of her keynotes on there and it's called The Call to Courage and Mm -hmm. it is magnificent I can't recommend it highly enough so it's only about 80-90 minutes great way to spend uh, an evening. Well, I haven't got there on Netflix yet, so I've literally just put that on my list and I'll make sure that we have a link to your book and to your website and to Brene Brown's in the show notes so people can find them easily. Oh, Leah, thank you. It has been so fabulous to have you on the pod today and to have this conversation. Thank you, Corinne, for making that introduction a few months ago. Thank you. It's been just fabulous and and I'm sure they're going to get an enormous amount from the wisdom you've shared with us today. So thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. Hi there, it's Helia. That's a wrap for the Take On Board podcast today. I do this podcast because I love bringing good women together. So it's great to be able to share these conversations that I'm having with these amazing group of women with you. Now, can I ask a favour? Could you share this podcast with someone you know? Perhaps you can share it with some of your board colleagues or someone else that you know that's interested in exploring all things boards and governance. With your help, we can grow the Take On Board community. Last but not least, if you want to continue the conversation, you can also join us over in the Take On Board Facebook group where there's lots of great discussions, tips, tricks and resources being shared. I would love it if you can join in the conversation there. You can find it by searching Take On Board in Facebook. Thanks for listening and tune in next week for another fabulous conversation.